Weren't the kids great today? Yeah. They were were a little more reserved up here than when uh, I saw them. There's a lot more movement and motion. Uh, There's something about the stage that's a little intimidating. But uh, I came out uh, for VBS one morning and joined them for worship. And I was trying to do the motions with them. And uh, those that don't know, I'm dyslexic. Okay, so the, sometimes the kids, they were, they were like leaning left and I was leaning right and vice versa. And the, the fact was that I'd be a motion behind them or I'd be a motion ahead of them. And I was, I was sitting in the back behind the kids or a couple adults behind me. But the whole time I'm thinking, I'm glad nobody's seeing me, you know. And uh, after the uh, service was over, one of the middle school kids caught me. He was running the screens from up in the loft. And he, and he comes over to me and he goes, you need to practice. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> See, I know how to move in the paint and basketball, but to music, it's a whole other thing. I'm just not very good. How, how many of you remember uh, going uh, roller skating as a kid? All right. Now, there was an all-skate that featured a song called the Hokey Pokey. Now, how many of you remember that? All right, here's the deal today. You've got to watch the kids a minute ago and their movement. This is an all-skate, and I want everybody that can to stand up where you're at. Come on. Yeah, you're going to do what I do. Every time they did the Hokey Pokey, I was like, no. All right, all right, so here we go. All right, if you can with me. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Way, that's pretty good. Wow. Now some of you need practice too, so all right, you can you can be seated. I'll I'll save you. We won't go through everything. <laughs> I was impressed with the clap, by the way. So, we've been talking about change, change that, that transforms our lives. And I think when many people think about change, what they think about is kind of making some superficial changes in their life. They don't really get involved in what I would call deep, significant change. And a lot of us, the way we change, we kind of put our right foot in, and we kind of do the hokey pokey thing, and then we kind of check out. You know, we, we never really go off the map with God, never really allow God through his Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. We do some rearranging, we do some shifting, we do a lot of shaking and a lot of movement, but we don't change. The fact is, we turn around, we bail out, we retreat, and we end up in the same place that we've been maybe for months, maybe years, for some maybe decades. You know, I I know I need to change. I've tried to change. In fact, many times I've tried, and it's, it's just so difficult and what happens is we got all this shaking and all this movement and all this turning around. And as we talked about in the series, if I could change, I would have done it by now. 
See, you need something more if you're going to change in your life. You need God. You need God to guide you. And the core verse in our series, and it was our core verse for uh, Vacation Bible School, was whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ear will hear a voice behind you. God says, you're going to hear a voice. It's the Holy Spirit saying, this is the way. Walk in it. At some point, you've got to come to God with that thing that you know you need to change. And you've got to admit, and you've got to confess, and you've got to say, I can't, but God, you can. And then God becomes a changing agent in your life and mine, and God begins to work in our life, and God works from the inside out, and he's guiding us, and he's prompting us, and he's convicting us, and he's encouraging us, giving us the power to change. It's how God works. It's how God always works. You know, when we uncover whatever it is before God, then God covers us. God covers those things that that we quit trying to hide in our life, those things that we confess, that we get honest with God and just go, here it is, God. You know, he uncovers those things and God steps in and he covers us with his grace and he covers us with his forgiveness. And I'll be honest with you, uncovering things is really counterintuitive, isn't it? Because culture teaches us to keep things covered up. Culture will tell you, hide your weaknesses, hide your struggles, hide your sins, blame others. Culture says, make excuses. Culture will keep you spinning around and turning and bailing in life. You see, the way to change is you've got to uncover it and give it to God. In fact, whatever you are trying to cover, God will uncover it. See, God loves you and me so much that God will not let us keep hiding things. He will not let us stay the same because he wants the best for your life and for mine. And so the way to change is uncover it. Why? Because he wants the best for you. And when you're, you're trying to hide things, when you're not truthful with God, with other people, with yourself, at some point, God says, you know what, I'm going to uncover these things. I'm going to help you see yourself for who you really are and whose you really are, who you belong to. And so when we admit those things and we confess those things, whatever they are, then God moves. And get this, God's not surprised. Whatever it is you give to God, he's not surprised. You know why? Because he already knew it. And this, I believe, that moment that you take that step is the sweet spot and the success in life. You know, when we don't blame others, when we don't make excuses anymore, and we kind of take responsibility for it. Hey, my bad. I blew it. You know, I fumbled the ball. I, I messed up. It's, it's on me. And when I'm honest with God, and when I'm honest with the people around me, and when I'm honest with myself, what happens is we uncover those things as we do the 180 in our life. And we decide to change, and we go off the map with God. God starts working. God starts working in us and through us, and becomes a change agent and makes change possible in your life. 
We, we talked about the, when we make that decision to change, it means getting in the swamp with God. Getting in the swamp with God. And in the swamp, what happens is we face pain. We face struggles. We deal with tension. And as we move through the swamp with God, we find growth. And we said, no pain, no, no gain. And we talked about that, that many people take that step toward change. They say, hey, I'm going to change. And they even put the right foot in. Shake it around a little bit. And then they turn around and they retreat and they bail. And some people have made that their life cycle. And it's very, very destructive. You know, I got this problem. I got this struggle, this challenge. I I need to change. I want to change. I'm going to change. And so some take that step toward change. And then there's a point where you go, wow, this is harder than I thought it was. This isn't easy. And so we retreat. We do the turnaround. Friends, when you make that decision to change, whatever it is that you need to change, when you take that step of faith and start the process, and it is a process of change, I said expect difficulty. Expect difficulty. When you decide to change, expect it. Because the evil one, Satan, he's going to take aim at you. He's going to make it difficult for you. See, he does not want you to change. He does not want you to experience God's best in your life. In fact, he will do his best to defeat you. And we've said he wants to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. That's his agenda. And so what happens is we get in the swamp. We're not prepared for the challenge. We're not prepared for the struggles, the entanglements. We find ourselves saying, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And we get swamped in the swamp. But friends, if you're willing to face the challenge, face the pain, face the struggles, face the the conflict, if you're willing to resist that desire to bail out, if you stay the course, you grow. But it's a choice. And it's a choice you face and I face in my life. And I have watched for years, and sadly, many will bail right before they have the breakthrough. And it's how people live. They just do. It's how many people live in their life. God has a better way. God has a better way to to live, and it's following him. It's taking our cues from him. It's allowing God to, to guide us and lead us. And friends, I'll be honest with you. I do not understand everything. I cannot answer all the questions, but I'm going to trust God, and I believe when I trust God that God will see me through whatever it is I need to go through. See, in the swamp, what I've found is you build character, and at some point, if you stay in there with God and allow God to have those reins, there's a point where you look back in your life and you go, wow, I'm changing. It's been hard. I wanted to throw in the towel a few times. But it is amazing God is changing me. And I have learned that because God has that better perspective on things, that because God can see the future, God can save me a lot of missteps. 
I mean, if I operate from my limited perspective, and I have before, I make a lot of mistakes. I make a lot of poor choices. And if I take my cues from culture, well, I'm just going to say culture will give you a very warped perspective on things. It will mess you up. And at some point in life, and Christians, hear this, at some point in your life, you've got to surrender to God and surrender fully. Scripture we've looked at quite a bit through this is trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your what? Your path. Again, this scripture kind of goes against culture. Culture will tell you, go with your heart. But friends, when we make decisions that are heart-based, it'll mess you up. But when you give God full authority in your life, Trust God with all your heart, with all your heart. You quit relying on what we think, what we feel, what culture says, what everybody else is doing. When we quit relying on all that stuff, when we start acknowledging God in all our ways, then and only then do we experience God's best in our life. And I said, all means all. Trusting God with all my heart. Not leaning on my understanding. I know what God's word says, but but I think this makes a little more sense. You got to lay all that down. All of it. Acknowledge all God's ways. Acknowledge God's ways in my relationships. In my marriage in parenting, acknowledging God's ways vocationally and financially and sexually, even the stuff we've taken off the map, because I know how this goes. We go, well, well God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you in this area, but this area, none of your business. This is mine. It's personal. It's private. All means all. Full surrender. It's an authority issue. Who's going to be king of the jungle? Who's going to be king in your jungle? You know, there's a story in the Old Testament that's about a guy who, he really didn't realize that he was confused. He didn't realize he had a very skewed perspective on things. We do not know his name. We know he was a servant of the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha. And the story takes place in Dotham. And we, we have the servant waking up one morning. Scripture says it was early morning. I imagine he was like sipping on espresso or, you know, had a Starbucks or whatever. And he, and he looks out and he sees the city is surrounded by enemy army. And so the servant's kind of freaking out. I'm thinking, he thought, okay, we're toast. You know, it's over. And so he runs in and he wakes Elisha up. And Elisha comes out. He's overlooking the city overlooking the the army that's got him surrounded. And he says, we're okay. Our army's bigger. The servant, he's looking, he's like kind of bewildered. He's not sure what to think. He's like, have you lost your mind? I mean, 
This is ridiculous. Elijah, can't, can't you count? Because I see a big army. See, from his perspective, the enemy army is huge. And their army's tiny. But he could not see what Elijah saw. See, Elijah was able to see the enemy of God, or the army of God, that was going to face off against that enemy. And so he sees the army of God, and it says Elijah prayed. He says, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, the servant, and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. Friends, that prayer that Elisha prayed is a prayer all of us ought to pray. We ought to pray it all all the time when we're facing that, that situation, when we're facing that challenge in life. That should be a prayer we all pray. It should be. The fact is that when we look at a situation, we should say, you know what, God, give me your perspective on that. Let me, let me see that so that I, I know the situation, so that I'll understand what, what, what you understand, that I can see the, the challenge the way that you see the challenge. But that's a prayer every one of us, all of us, should pray that prayer. Don't you think? You know, to just give it to, to God and allow God to kind of lead us there some. I wonder today, that thing that you need to change, have you given it to God? Have you asked God to open your eyes? Have you asked God to give you his perspective on that so that you know what to do? So that you understand that God's there supporting you and that you understand where you're going can, do you have his perspective on things? Do you? I think we lost teleprompters here. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I'm back. <laughs> Technology is great when it when it's operating, friends. So oftentimes we we have a uh, kind of a warped perspective on things. We 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 struggle. We we have that challenge, and I want to challenge you to just go to God and say, Lord, open my eyes. I want to see. I want to see what you see. I want to face that 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 battle the way that you would have me face it. I want to understand and to just allow you to start showing me the direction that, that we need to go. Again, I, I think what happens is we, we make a decision and we decide we're going to change in, in our lives. And when we start out well, and so we're going, I'm changing. I'm, I'm making, making it. This is, this is cool. I'm making progress. Things, things are happening. And here's the key question for, for your life. How do you keep changing? How do you keep moving forward? Because in the jungle, in the jungle of life, it will challenge you. 
and you need resolve in your life. And resolve, if you look that term up, it means to be centered in your life and to have a foundation in your life. See, in the jungle, it's easy to get swamped with everything that the culture has to say. And if you listen to culture, things get really mushy and they begin to kind of sink and shift and change. And you need something solid in your life, something solid to stand on, something that's sure, something that's stable, something that's supportive, something that you can build your life on. You know, Jesus one time, he said, anyone who hears and obeys these teachings of mine is like a wise person who built a house on, on the solid rock. See, I need to build my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the rock. I need to make him the center of my life. Jesus is the rock. The the church is the body of Jesus Christ. And on those things, I build my life. You know, when when I follow Jesus Christ, when I follow his teachings, and when I obey what, what God has asked me to do, and I listen to his guidance, when I'm in, living in fellowship in the body of Jesus Christ, the church, what I find is I'm standing on a rock-solid place. Uh, it's rock-solid place for living in life. You know, Jesus told a story one time about two ways of living. You know, one of the guys, he, he built his life on sand, and it has this disastrous outcome. He's building and building with sand, and he keeps trying to sure things up, and the storm hits, the monsoon hits, the winds blow, and pretty soon the ground's saturated, the streams are, are rising, and it says the foundation washed out, and it messed up the house, destroyed it. The other guy, he built on the rock. And so when the storms hit, the house stood the test of time. And the house remains standing. And friends, there's a choice you have to make in life. Are you going to build on sand or rock? When when you choose to build sand with sand, when you choose to listen to the shifting sand of culture, it'll mess you up. I mean, sand's bad unless you're going on vacation, right? And we all have sand in our lives, all of us. Sand is the decisions and the choices that we make and the stuff that we do that we kind of rely on our own wisdom. We all have it. I know what God says. I know what the Bible says. But I think this seems to make more sense. This is a better way. It's sand. It will always be sand. Sand is not good. It's not good for a foundation. Sand is shifting. It is sinking, and it'll mess you up. And just a simple question this morning, are you building your life on sand, or are you building on rock? What are you centering your life on? Well, this is what I think. This is what I feel. This is what I'm going to do. Hey, I'm the sand man. I'm the sand woman. 
Watch me build my career. Watch me build my family. Watch me build my, my marriage. Watch me build my life. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand Jesus is a rock. I understand he's supposed to be the center of our lives. I understand the church will help me keep that as a focus. I understand all that, but this is my life. This is my house. So I'm going to build my house my way. Now, I'll fit the church in when I get an opportunity every now and then. If it doesn't conflict with other things. I'll grab a little rock now and then. I mean, I want a little rock in my life. I want a little bit of rock in my life. But I, but I like to pick and choose the rock that I want. Because I'm going to build my house my way. And you know what? You're right. It is your house. And you can build it any way you see fit. But you need to know this. The foundation of your life will be challenged in the jungle. And it is just a matter of time that at some point you're going to discover that your plan is faulty if you decide to build with sand. You're going to realize you made a horrible mistake at some point. You're going to find out that you built on sand and what happens is the house won't hold up. And I know some of you, you know, today you're going, well, I wonder how I got so overcommitted in my life. You know, I wonder how things have gotten on such an overload. I wonder why I'm living with so much conflict and tension in my life. I don't know why I I fret and I worry so much. I don't know why I'm so frustrated, why I'm not satisfied. I don't know why my house is such a mess. Could it be, possibly... That you're building on sand? You know, when I was a kid, I lived in the Florida Keys for several years. And there was a, a couple of years that a guy, he was building an island right off of uh, right off Key West, in between uh, Key West and Stock Island. And uh, he was dredging the sea bottom. And so he was pulling up sand, and there, there was some coral in there and silt. And then every once in a while, you'd see a boat that would drop some rock out there. And he built this beautiful home. The locals kind of laughed about it. They were, they were very, very skeptical about it. They, they, you would hear them talking. They go, that, that house is going to get wiped out the first time we have a serious storm. And hurricane season comes every year. And that year, Tropical Storm Jenny hit. And... It brought some serious winds and a lot of rain and some major, major surf. And it wiped the house out. Wiped it completely out. Took the island out. And I remember as a kid looking where the island and the house used to stand. It wasn't there anymore. It was like nothing had ever been there. And we found debris for months after that, we'd be out fishing and we'd find bits and pieces of, of stuff that we were sure was from, from that home. See, it had an unstable foundation. It was not anchored right. What's holding your house up? 
What are you building on? Sand? Sand with a little rock? Or are you building on solid rock of Jesus Christ? If you build on sand, I think you figure out pretty quickly that it's not going to work if all you're using is sand. I, I think the, the average person goes, this isn't going to fly. But if you are building with sand and then you throw a little rock in, I think it sets you up. I think it sets you up for a serious collapse in life. Because many times you don't figure it out until the storm hits and it just wipes things out. And what I'm saying is choose very carefully what you're going to build your life on. The wise man, he built on the rock. And so scripture says the rains poured down and the rivers flooded and the winds beat up the house, but it did not fall because it was built on what? Solid rock. See, I think most of us build our lives. And you can tell how we build our lives. Because you can look at our schedule. We don't center our lives around Jesus Christ, the rock. We don't center around the body of Jesus Christ, the church. I mean, many do not do that. So we kind of do the hokey pokey. You know, when it comes to building our lives and and the foundation for living, we kind of put the right foot in. And then we take it back out. We put it in. Little rock. Need a little rock. Little God in my life. And then we turn around and friends... That's what it's all about. That's how we live life. Hokey pokey living. I want to build my life on the rock. And so every time I have a scheduling decision to make or a calendar decision or every time I'm facing a decision about what I'm going to add to my life, you know, whatever the extracurricular activities are, whatever it is I'm adding to my agenda, to my family's life. You know, when our kids were little, I would always ask the same thing. Am I making a decision that's building on sand or on the rock? And I'll be honest with you, some of you are making sand decisions. Sand decisions at the expense of stability. You wonder why things are so, so crazy And it really has to do with the sand. In fact, almost every decision you make that that drags you away from worship, drags you away from fellowship with other Christians, that drags you uh, away from spending time and personal devotions with God, almost every time, it's a sand decision. And I know, I've heard, oh, but this league's so great. It's just a few months. Oh, this club, man, being a part of this club, I mean, it's an every other week thing, but it's so awesome. I I go golfing with a foursome. We we only do it during the summer. I'm chilling out with the guys. You know, we had so much fun last night that, you know, I'm just tired. I need a little rest. You can do what you want to do. You can spin it any way you want to spin it. But you're trading rock for sand. And when you're doing that, what you end up doing is working in your life with a lot of sand and a little bit of rock. 
And for some of you, no wonder life's not working. No wonder the path isn't straight. No wonder you keep making the same mistake after mistake after mistake. No wonder you live in that cycle that we've been talking about. You know, crisis. Got a crisis in my life. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to get it together. And then things get a little bit better. And we turn. And walk away. And you guess what? We end up where we were before. See, the direct path is the path God wants to take us on. God's heart is about building a rock-solid foundation. Why? So so that we're not doing the hokey-pokey, but we're building a strong foundation in our life. Instead of running in and out, you know, making God part of our life, then he's not. Making church part of our life, then he's not. Pretending Jesus is the center when, in fact, he's not. You know, Jesus said one time, he says, instead be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God, with what he requires of you, and he will provide you with all these things. He's, uh, some versions say, strive first for the kingdom of God. It's a jungle in life. As we're striving and making God the center, as we're seeking God first, what God wants in our life, which direction God would have us go, it's allowing God to to guide us, making God the center of our lives, the center in our schedules, the center in our decisions in life, as we're striving to make God first in our marriage, in our families, in our vocation, in our finances. In every single area, God first. See, that's how you build strong foundation. And as you're doing that, and don't miss this, as you're doing that, Scripture says as you make God first, you're going to get all the other things that you need. Joy, peace, satisfaction. You'll discover... When you, when you make God first, you start finding the sweet part of life. You experience God's best. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you won't have problems. But you will find God's best. You'll find you're never alone. You're never on your own. You will experience a confidence when you hit that storm in life. When you have problems, and you will have them, you'll walk with a little more confidence because you know God's right there with you. But it's a choice you got to make. What's going to be first in your life? And, and this culture, they'll tell you you can have lots of things be first. And I'm telling you only one thing can be first. You got to figure that out. Only one thing. Choose very, very carefully. So that struggle that you got, that thing you know you need to change, that thing you've tried to change and have failed many, many times, here it is. You put God first with that thing, whatever it is. You listen to God. You let God guide you. You make him the center. And he'll begin working in you. And through you, the church will help you with that. And if you stay the course, whatever it is, I don't care what it is. Maybe you've failed 10,000 times. 
but you make God first and you listen to God, at some point, you will look back, many of us have, and you will go, I've changed. God changed me. I used to struggle with that. That used to be a challenge, but it isn't any longer. See, that's how you survive the jungle. God first, God first. Let's uh, bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, we just praise you today. And God, I know there are all of us here. We all have different challenges. We all have things that we know need to, we need to change. And God, I pray that um, we'd just lay those at your feet. And that we'd have the courage to just admit, I can't. But God, I know you can. I know you can. And God, give us the, the strength. May we experience your Holy Spirit's power as when it gets tough and we want to bail, we want to retreat. That we just keep going through that swamp with you. And God, I pray that we'd resist if things get a little bit better, that we'd resist just going back to the old ways, whatever they are. And God, I pray for this church. I pray for the families of this church. I pray for our youth and our children that they're growing, that uh, they'd put you first, all things, always, that we'd listen to your guidance. If you say go left, we're going left. And if you say go right, we're going right. And that we'd trust you, knowing that you want the best for us. God, we lay those things down before you today. And I pray today is the day that we start to change. And God, I know with you it's possible. God, guide our steps. May we hear your voice. May we always follow. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And God's people said,